All right, so here, let's do this. Um, if you got a Bible, you can turn to uh, somewhere so it looks like you're doing something. Um, now, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. And, uh, but before we get there, there's a few things that I want to, uh, to uh, uh, talk about. Uh, if you want to be an overachiever, um, you can go to, to, to uh, Psalm 104. Uh, I'm going to read through that real quick. Um, but uh, what, what I want to do is I, I want us to continue on in the, this, this um, Healthy Church series. This is week two of the Healthy Church. Last week we talked about like, the importance of a healthy church. Um, this week, I want to talk about some fundamental characteristics of a healthy church. Um, and, and to get these three things out of the way, I'm, I'm hoping to get to two of them today and then the third one um, next week, but I don't know. We'll see how, how this all rolls, how it all unfolds. So the, the fundamental um, characteristics of a healthy church, there are three R's, real, relational, and reproductive. All right? So there, you got the notes for today. And all God's people is that? No, that doesn't mean you can go home, though. All right, so we, we started last week talking about the, the importance of a healthy church, and, and we um, clarified the need for a healthy church in that being a part of a healthy church provides the best opportunity for maturing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So a, a healthy church is not just so uh, the pastor or the elders or the leadership can say, hey, we got a strong church. No, the whole intention, the whole purpose behind having a healthy church is ultimately so we can glorify God. Because it glorifies God um, by us making disciples. And, and I've said in the past that, that, that um, this, this making disciple aspect sometimes uh, gets, um, uh, uh, it, it lays a, a heavy burden on us. And I've said in the past, well, let's focus on being a disciple, and we'll get to the making of disciples. Because I am 100% um, convinced that if we are effectively being disciples of Jesus Christ, the making will happen. Uh, so I don't want to minimize what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. I, I think it's very clear when he says to, to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what he wants. But we, what we can't forget and what we can't miss is the, the context in which Jesus said that and who he said it to. He said it to his disciples that he was with for over three years, and they were being disciples so that they could make disciples. So I, I want us to, to, to focus um, in this, this, this short time um, of this series that we're going to, to look at um, of the, this healthiness of a church. And um, I, I stressed last week that I'm not talking about big C universal. Is it C this way or is it this way? Y M C. All right, I, got, I just got to go through it. Right. No, it's this way. It's all about me. What are you talking about, right? I got the microphone. So whatever, C, whatever way you want to go, all right? It's not about the big C church. I'm talking about local church. I'm talking about LifePoint Church here. Because we are responsible for our body, right? Uh, and, and we talked last week about how the church is to be the, um, the, the pillar and the buttress or we use the word, because uh, we don't usually use buttress. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, we need some slides to say preach it or amen or hallelujah or something in there. Um, but we don't, use, we don't use buttress. What we use is, is the word foundation. 
So the church needs to be the foundation, and the foundation is built upon the truth of God's Word. And, and we really expounded on that last week. If you missed that, uh, look at the podcast. It, it's up. Um, but what I want us to focus uh, uh, on, understanding that, that, that we have a, a purpose for the, the, the church to be healthy. Uh, last week, we talked about, the, the, just briefly, the mission statement of our church. And, and, you know, I got to thinking about it. Like, we have this long mission statement. I'm not changing the mission statement here. So, so some of you are like, well, here we go. We're going to go do another change. No, I think we have this long mission statement. Every time I ask somebody, they say something like, uh, we exist to bring glory to God. Yeah, something like that. It, here, we're going we're gonna to condense it. We're going to have a condensed version of our mission statement. So everybody in here can, can learn it, can read it, can recite it. It's going to be very easy. You ready? Yeah, put a, put a, like a, hey, preach it, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples. We got it? We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples. Now the extended version goes on and on, but that's all right. I just want us to, to, to get, grab hold of this. We want to glorify God. I want us to, to understand, us to understand, when we come together, we want to come together because we want to glorify God. Not so we can, well, what's in it for me, or self-help, or anything. No, we assemble, we are the, 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 the church body here at this location because we want to glorify God. Jesus says that his whole purpose of why he came to earth was to glorify the Father. Some of you are like, well, he came to die on the cross. He did die on the cross, but what you have to understand is him dying on the cross glorified God glorified the Father. So his whole purpose was to glorify the Father. And that's what we need to kind of get our heads wrapped around, that we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples. And that's what's going to happen inside of a healthy church. And when we are a healthy church, that's going to um, be just the natural byproduct or the natural fruit that takes place. So as I, as I say all that, um, I, I don't remember last week I said I don't want to imply anything like that we're, a, we're an unhealthy church or that we're, we're, we're doomed. No, I, I just want to be real and I want to be honest. I think that we could be a, a, a much more healthy church. And, and that's what, why I wanted to um, identify three characteristics, three fundamental, I'm saying fundamental because there's many different characteristics. These three, I, I got to keep it simple because if I don't keep it simple, I'll get lost. And then we'll, it'll be craziness, right? So three fundamental characteristics. Because this is what I believe. And I was sharing this with, with the, the elders this morning. I believe that the true desire of our church, the majority of the people of our church, that their true desire, your true desire, my true desire, our true desire is to live a life pleasing to God. I, I'm really convinced of that. I'm not just saying that to give you a motivational speech. I'm saying that because I believe that you're here because even though maybe you don't know how to fully or you're having a struggle doing it, I think deep down that you really truly want to live a life pleasing to God. And I believe that you want to be able to read Scripture like uh, what we're going to read here in Psalm 104, you want to read Scripture and you want your life to reflect the truth of this Scripture. That you want to be, you want to be let's use the word, empowered, not on a, on a personal or an individual sense, but understanding that it is the, the, the Spirit of God that works in you and through you um, to give you that power. 
But I, I really, truly, honestly believe that you want to live a life pleasing to God. I don't think, and maybe I, I've been wrong once or twice, ask my wife, um, but I don't, a day, um, it's not up there yet, right, so, but, but I don't think that anyone in here is coming here with an open rebellion, nah, I just want to, you know, I don't want to live a life pleasing to God, I just want to put my check mark in a box, I, I don't believe that, I, I don't, I think that that may be some like this, we don't know what to do, so we're like, I, I, I better come to church because I, I really, I want to, but I don't know what, I don't know how this all works out. And, and I, I, I say all this because what we have to understand is we can't do this all alone. The Christian life was not intended to be lived alone. We're going to see that in 1 John chapter um, 1 today. But before that, I, I want to go back to uh, Psalm uh, 104 because in Psalm 104, I, I, want, I want to read this and, and I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to read this, um, because I, I, I think that as, uh, as I read this, I, I believe that this is really where our heart's desire is, and the, 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 where people want to be able to say, yes, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to live, I, I want to be able to accept this truth, my, I want my life to be changed because of it. Shut up and read, I got you. 104. Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. I love how he, I already started to do that. Dang it. Um, I love how he, how he opens this up, and I won't do this anymore. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariots. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. And all our Pentecostals said, Amen. there you go, all right, all right. <laughs> That's funny, come on. The Baptists are like, shh, all right. And then the Southern Baptists are like, ah, yeah, I don't know what to do. All right. <laughs> Sorry. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches from your lofty abode. Your, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of men, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that, that he planted, in them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in, her, in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the lion roars for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in, the dens, in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. 
O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan, which you form to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works who looks on the earth and trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditations be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Man, I I, I read through that. And I'm not just throwing you all a bone, and I'm not just trying to, to, to puff you. I, I, I read through that, and my, 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 uh, uh, um, my heart's desire is, is to, uh, or, or my, my understanding, or my, my, I'm going to use the word, and I hate using this word, my feeling here, my perception, that's a better one, my perception is I, I really believe that, 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 that everyone here really wants to live with being able to say amen and amen to that text, saying yes. Absolutely, that's my God, and that's how I want to live. I want to live in that power. But what I, I think what happens is when we, we read something like that, and then we go out these doors and we face life. What the heck was that? Woo, there we go, right. So some of you are like, what? No, I just got a twitch. So uh, it was a bug flew right in front of my face. So, um, but when we read stuff like that, we want to be, or we want to feel that. That, that, that strength and that power. But when we go out, we, life hits us and we're like, I'm a, I'm a failure, I can't do it. And Well, I think that the, the, the important thing that we need to keep in, in mind is um, you're not perfect. None of you, right? Look at your, look at your the, the person next to you and say, you ain't perfect. No fights. No, 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 no <laughs> fights. That's a smart man. Yeah. Jake just said, I'm not perfect, right? But what we need to understand is what we need help, and we need help to, to um, live in the truth of God's Word. And I really believe that that's where a healthy church, how this provides the, 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 the fertile soil, the good ground, because I know everybody did their homework last week and read Mark 4, right? Mm-hmm. So, the <laughs> so the good soil so that fruit can be abundant. I, I really believe that, that, that that's where um, the, the church comes in. This body comes in. Because I, I cannot speak and I will not speak for other churches, but, but I, I've, I've read statistics and there's a lot of dying churches. And, and if I were to, uh, to, to um, dive deep, if we were to dive deep in those churches, I, I would, I would uh, um, see, we would see that, that it comes down to that the soil isn't good. And, and, and there, there's no, there's no um, realness in there and there's no relational value and there's no reproductive reproductivity reproductivity in there, right? And, and that's what I, I think that we see with a, a, a healthy church, we can see that this ground is, we can have a, a good soil. And what, what does the good soil produce? Because you all read it, right? Okay, but what does it produce? It says 30, 
30 and 60 and 100 fold, right? I just, I know I had to just spark that, that, that a little bit. What we have to understand about that, and, and I think you all do, is you need to be healthy. We need to be healthy. And healthiness just doesn't happen. You can buy a gym membership, but when you go to the gym, you got to use the equipment, right? Remember my, my uh, covert illustration last week? Uh, he, he had no idea. I, I talked, I've seen him this week. He had no idea I used him as an illustration, right? Some of you are like, what? <laughs> Listen to the podcast. But what we need to understand is we can have a gym membership. We can be a part of something, but if we're not engaged in it, uh, we can't expect results to happen. And I think that, that having a healthy church is the beginning of seeing results happen. Um, these fundamental characteristics here in, in uh, 1 John chapter 1, because you all are there, right? All right, I'm going to get there. 1 John chapter 1, I, I want to read this passage, and, and I just want to talk um, real briefly, because it is kind of getting warm in here already. Whew. Amen. See? That's my brother. He's got a long sleeve shirt on. I don't understand it. Take your, that's why I tell the kids in the backseat, Dad, it's hot in here. Well, take your sweatshirt off then. Your mom's up here freezing. Uh, <laughs> it's true, right? Well, this is what we're going to see about we, we need to be real. The, the, the first thing that we're going to talk about is being real. And, and as we read through the, the, this text here in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, keep in mind this thought about being real and being relational, because that's really what I'm, I want to try to, to accomplish today is get a, a better understanding of these two characteristics. Here the, the Apostle John is, is writing, and we, we established last week that he was a part of that church later on um, in Ephesus that, that Dan talked about a few weeks ago. Um, and um, that uh, th th this, uh, this message in which he's going to, to give, we're going to see right now, is it, comes from, uh, it comes from Jesus. And if somebody's like, well, okay, it doesn't all the scripture, yes, but he clearly identifies here, you have to listen. This is of utmost importance because of the one who gave it. Here he says in verse 5, This is the message that you have heard from him and, I, and proclaim to you, that we have heard from him and proclaim to you. So he's talking to this local church here. He says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I, I love that, that, that he, he makes this clear, um, absolute statement. There is no room for relativism in this thought because he is very clear and he says that God is light. Why is it that he uses this example or this term or this description of light? It's because of purity. God is light. God is pure. There is no darkness, or not, not even a little bit of, of darkness in him. Jesus says in, in, in the Gospel of John that, that I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And here it says that there is no darkness at all in him. If you, if you um, um, think about it, and I know you guys are smart, so you already, already know this, but when I think about this, I say, okay, he is light, and there's no darkness in, at all in him. Um, I think about um, what is darkness. What is darkness? Can anybody tell me that? It's the absence of light. Right. So think about it. If God is light and there's no darkness in him at all, that means he's complete. 
We do not have to add anything to God to make him more God. So what we need, we have to, to accept that and we have to understand that, that we don't have to try to make God look any better than he already is. He is complete. What we have to do is we have to accept him for who he is. And here it says that there's no darkness in him at all. And I love how he goes on here, verse 6. If we say, and he, he includes himself in this because I think he, he, he's being very personal here. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Um, this, this is one of those times where when we read the scripture, uh, the scripture reads us back. And I, you've heard me say it before, that if you have not been offended or been upset with what the Bible says, then you really haven't been reading it. Because I think that this is one of those passages that, that, that can, offend, it can offend you, can offend me at sometimes. Can, it can make me look deep and say, wait, 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 what is he saying here? He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, I don't want us to think that, that that's just a stumble and a fall. Because every single one of us will, at one point or another, we will stumble and we will fall. We will um, uh, do something we probably shouldn't do, or we won't do something that we should do. That doesn't, that's not what he's saying here. He's talking about a habitual walking in, I know what's right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's wrong kind of mindset. That's what he's saying about walking in darkness. So he, say, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie which that should, that should penetrate our hearts because we know that the devil is the father of lies and when we lie, we speak the devil's words. That's what John says in, in John chapter 8. We lie and do not practice the truth. I love that he says practice the truth because it's not a one and done thing. Our walk with Christ is a continually ongoing one foot in front of the other. I've got, I've got to move. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got stuff to do, right? Everybody, lo- I love when people say, I've got stuff to do. I've got to go. Yes, in our walk with Christ, it's the same way. We do have things to do. We have to pick up our foot and put it down. This is a practice. He goes on to say, verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We're going to come back to that in a second. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. I, I, I think it's important to understand and to kind of press into this, this truth here. Because sometimes we think, well, I, I want to walk in the light, but sometimes I, I stumble. But what we have to understand is the power to, and the ability to walk in the light is through what Jesus has already accomplished. That's what he is saying here. He's saying that you cannot do this on your own. So every self-help guru says, oh, you can do it. You can be the better you that you want to be. You can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to use this word, unleashed to us because Christ died and he says, it's better for me to go to the Father so that I can send the, the, the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter to you, the Holy Spirit to you. So he says here that it's it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's his blood, because the blood is a result of what took place on the cross. So he says it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's what cleanses us from all sin. I, I love that word. If you do a word study there, that cleanses us. 
is not just a, a washing away. It, it, it can encompass washing away, but it really truly means purging out. It purges out evil. So it's the blood of Jesus. It's the truth of what he did. It, it's the, what he accomplished on the cross. cross. It's what happened um, when he rose on the third day. It purges out the darkness in our lives so that we can walk in the light. So if you're thinking now, like, I can't overcome this, that, and the other, you're right. You cannot overcome that on your own. It needs to be purged out by the blood of Jesus, by the truth of his word. It's by believing in the power of his resurrection and what he has accomplished so that you can do. You can be the on water boy. You can do it, right? I was just making sure you're all awake. You can, because it's through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And he, he makes that, that, that perfectly clear here. And he, and he follows this up. Because some of you are like, yeah, we're, we're there. Okay, hold on. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He says you have the ability to walk in the light, but what you need to make sure is you have to be aware that you're not trying to be self-righteous and saying, well, I don't, I'm sinless. No, you have sin. You need the blood of Christ so that you can walk, so it can be purged out and so that you can walk. If you don't, and this is, this is an important piece of the gospel, if you don't identify the need, you're never going to have the solution to that need, right? You understand what I'm saying? If you don't see the, the bad, you don't see the need for the good. So what, what, what John here is saying is, don't be deceived and say, well, I'm without sin. No, the only one without sin is Jesus, the one who, with you, which you can lean on but what first what we have to do is we have to identify. And that's not, that, that's not a deficiency mentality in the sense that, oh, I'm such a bad person because of this. That. No, we identify sin so that we know, as we're going to see here in a second, that if we ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us and purge out the evil from us. So he says, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is a beautiful truth here. If we confess our sins, there's an action that has to take place. You can't live in that sin and just say, oh, Jesus is going to forgive it. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. Well, he died for all sin. Absolutely, he did. But there's something that has to take place. There's a, the confession and the repentance of it. It's not automatic that everybody automatically goes to heaven because all of their sins are automatically forgiven. It doesn't work that way. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse, same Greek word there, to purge us from all unrighteousness, to purge the evilness out of us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I, I don't, and this goes back to my opening statement is, I don't believe anybody in here will say God is a liar. You, you will not say that. If you're inside, I, I believe that. Maybe some of you are like, well, I'm just going to be rebellious just because you said it. No, I mean, deep down, you are not going to say God is a liar. But what, what John here is saying is maybe you're not going to say those words but your actions are going to say those words. And I don't think that anybody wants to be there. That's just like when Gabe does something that upsets me. I mean, 
very rarely do I ever get upset <laughs> with my son, right? He's in a stage now, please, 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 please pray for us. He, but um, when, I, when I get in, hold on a second, where was I, where was I at? Gabe, liar, ooh, ooh, ooh. None of you are really going to say that God is a liar. So in the same sense, it's kind of like when Gabe comes to me, like, um, man, you know what? I, I totally forgot, lost my point of view or my point I was going to make. Good. Sorry. Pray for Gabe. There it is. So what we, what we can understand here is as we look at this, I, I, don't, I don't believe that you're all going to say that, that, that God's a liar. I, I believe that you, you, you don't want to um, offend God. I, I believe that you want to live in the truth and you want to be pleasing to God. That's where I was going to go with it. I believe that Gabe really does want to do what daddy wants him to do. And I, I don't believe that he openly is like, I'm going to rebel against dad just because. I could be completely wrong with that. He is his mother's child. So, uh, but I, I pray for her too, right? Um, but, but I don't believe that we are sitting here and we're saying, I'm going to be openly disobedient and reject God. I think, though, that what happens is we get overcome by the world. Uh, the, the Bible is clear that there's three main enemies in, 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 against us. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And sometimes the world gets the best of us. And when the world gets the best of us, what we end up doing is we end up compromising. And what we have to understand is that's one of the, the key um, uh, uh, primary principles, one of the, the principles why we need a, a, a body, a healthy body, so that when we bring the compromises of the world into the, the, um, the, the church, that we can understand this behavior isn't all right. And it's not so you can say, how dare you, Jake, do that? No, it's to come alongside and say, brother, you realize that this is not right. This is what God wants. And I know you want to please God, but what, the way in which you're doing this isn't pleasing to him. And just like I would go up to Gabe, to Gabe, I know you want to please me. I really do. But what you're doing is not pleasing. And the Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. So I think that when we look through this, I don't want us to take this on a negative note. Like I'm up here saying, y'all are calling God liars, and I'm like, I'm calling y'all out. No, I watched a video of a preacher yesterday doing that. Like some, some older guy in some Baptist church or something, I don't know. He was up on, on the, 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 the pulpit, and he was preaching, and then somebody, somebody started talking. So he's like calling them out, like, shut up. I'm, I'm talking to you because you need this more than, and I'm like, holy moly. And then, then he comes off this, this stage and he starts picking people out of the audience. You want me to marry you? And I can't believe you did this. And I'm like, man, I got to take notes. <laughs> These people have it easy here, right? No. But I, I think that I, I want us to be encouraged, and, and this is where the encouragement comes in, is understanding that we can have um, fertile ground where, where we can grow, and this is a relational environment, an environment that, 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 that fosters growth, where we can come together and we can put our guards down a little bit, because we can realize that none of us are perfect, and we're all jacked up, and we all got junk, so anybody that's like, I'm not going to let my skeletons out of the closet. Everybody has skeletons. Everybody has dirt, right? 
This is a place where we're going to have to be able to say, hey, let's take my dirt and your dirt and let's put it together because that makes good dirt because it's full of crap. <laughs> right? That's what makes good dirt, right? Good, good fertilizer. So if we're looking here, um, I, I think that, that one fundamental characteristic is we've got to be real. We've got to be real. Now, when I talk about being real, I'm not talking about being a jerk. I hate it when people are like, I'm just keeping it real. No, you're just being a jerk towards me or towards her or to somebody. Can you tell them the truth? Absolutely. Tell people the truth. But you, what does the Bible say? Truth in love. Okay. There's a way in which we can tell people the truth. Just because you say God love her at the end of whatever you say does not mean it's in love or God bless them. Right? It doesn't mean that, you know, so-and-so's on crack again, God bless him. You know, that, that doesn't, that's not in love. So what we have to understand is there, there's a realness in which we need to have. Where we can go to our brother and where we can go to our sister, and we've got a bridge. You, you hear me talk about the, the bridge that can bear the weight of truth, right? That, that, we, that we have a bridge with our, our brother, with our sister, and we can say, hey, do, we, do you see what this is happening? I can see this. Can you not see this? This, you're going down this path, and, and it's not good. I, I, I want to help you. I, I love you enough here to, to, to come alongside you in this situation. Everybody here has something they need to deal with. If you don't have anything you need to deal with, um, meet me this week because i got plenty that I can unload on you. Right? There's things that we need to deal with, but we need to deal with them in a real way. And I think that the realness has three little subcategories to this, and I'll get through them quite quickly. The first is you have to be real about your faith. You have to be real about your faith. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 uh, tells us what faith is, and when we, when we understand what faith is, and I didn't get my cheater up there this week, Mike, you're killing me. Usually I have the verse up there, so you all think that I've memorized all these verses, but it usually says it up there. Now I've got to turn around. Yeah, I, I put my glasses on. I'm rebelling. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So we need to be real about our faith. If we're not real about our faith, how in the world are you going to have a foundation for the things that are thrown at you? We need to be real. If we're going to say that it's the assurance, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And assurance is like, you know that you can take that to the bank, right? So why would you not want to be real about your faith? Now, this kind of goes into the second one where it talks about being, uh, we need not only to be real about our faith, we need to be real about um, who we are, and I say self. So real about our faith, real about ourselves, our faith um, should, and, and I say this very, it's like, you know, very, 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 very poignantly, it, it should determine the real about self, because we should be um, transformed from the old self to the new self, but we need to be real about who we are. The Apostle Paul uh, um, talks about, in, in Ephesians um, chapter 2, same church, talking to that, that same church in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and, and, and 5, he talks about like 
who you need to, uh, who you need to act like you are, or what, what you need to do and what you need to understand and what you need to believe, the realness that, that what you have to grasp so you can be real not only about your faith but, but about yourself. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. So, he says, and he goes on, by grace you have been saved. So the realness is you need to know where you were, but as a child of God, you need to know where you are. Because too many times we identify with all this crap of the past, and we're not identifying, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It says I'm no longer dead, I'm alive. And we need to be real about that. Now, how does that, 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 that transpire? How does it transfer over into a healthy church? If we were truly real about our faith, and if we were real about ourselves individually, you bring a bunch of, of individuals together that are being real, you're going to have an, an environment that is real. So that when life happens, that's the third sub-point here of this real, we need to be real about life. Because when life happens, we talked a few weeks ago about a biblical worldview, when life happens, we don't need to act like it's not happening. Life is going to happen to every single one of us. And when it happens, we need to be able to, one, be real about our faith, real about ourselves, real about the situation, and then have an environment to say, you know what, I need some help because I'm, I feel like I'm being overwhelmed by this. I need, a, a, and I believe this, a safe place in which to come to say, I'm not okay. Because I, I, fu- I fully believe that, that our church um, uh, has the, the, the understanding that it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. Right? If you come in here and you're not okay, okay, let's identify that and let's help you. We can't fix anything. Anybody in here says, I, I know what you need. Well, here's the deal. Everything you need as a believer in Jesus Christ is already inside of you. Well, what you need is you need encouragement, you need help, you need some guidance to live according to what God has already told you. So we need to be real about our life. Now, if we're real about our, our faith and real about self and real about our life, I think that the, the result of this is what we get the relational aspect. The second fundamental uh, characteristic of a healthy church is that it's relational. I think that we do a, um, a, a fair to, to, to midland job of this in our church. I've been to uh, plenty of churches where it's, you walk in and it's cold, and it's not because they have the AC cranked all the way down or the heat's not turned up. No, it's just like you, don't, you feel that there's no relational aspect. It's like people come in and they go, and they come in and say, yep, I was there, and boom, I'm gone. I believe that we have a, a, a better um, atmosphere, a better environment here. Can it be a whole lot better? Yeah. But I think that the reason that, that we're not where, at least I think that we should be, is because I, I think that, that, that it goes back to the real part, and I think too many people, too many of us, wear masks around. We're, we're wearing masks, and what, it's not because we want to deceive one another. It's because we want to protect ourselves from vulnerability. And we think that we could be, remember Big Daddy? Who remembers the movie Big Daddy, right? When, when the little boy put the, 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 the sunglasses on, right? Sco- what, Scuba Steve, right, 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 right. When the little boy put the, the, the glasses on and it made him invisible and then he could like, he, he was, you know, king crap then, you know, he's hot stuff. He could do anything. 
I think that that's what we do inside the church is we, we put these, this, this mask on and we try to hide behind it. And we don't want let, to let people in. And we, we don't present ourselves as vulnerable. And when we don't present ourselves as vulnerable, how in the world can we expect others to present themselves as vulnerable? If everyone is in a little, a little isolation and they're not willing to deal with um, or put their guard down, take their mask off and deal with stuff, how do we expect that in return? I think that goes back to that one of my favorite Greek words, elelon, where it's that reciprocating action. We need to, to one another one another. It's got to be that reciprocation. We don't need to hide behind the masks. And, and I think that, that in a society that, that teaches us to be tough and be strong, well, I'm not saying to, to, to be weak and wimpy. Meekness is not weakness. It's power in reserve. Understanding that, that we don't need to wear a mask to hide behind it because, ooh, if somebody finds out about this, you know, they're not going to like me. I can tell you right now, I'll, I'll be the first. If you, there's some things that if you find out about me that I'd be like, crap, they ain't going to like me anymore either. But I, I can't sit up here and, 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 and be fearful of that. That is just, that, that's in the past. The things that have happened, I can't do anything about that. But what I can say is I ain't going to go back there. I'm not going to boast and say, I used to this and I used to that and I'm because it's all that and play the coolness card. No, I can say to a brother, to a sister and say, hey, no, I was there. I wasn't proud that I was there, but I know what God has done now because of me being there. I think that we need to be vulnerable to one another. Now, I'll throw this disclosure out there. You don't need to be the jerk. If somebody, what am I saying? Don't be a jerk, right? If somebody is going to, you know how hard it is to be vulnerable with somebody? You know how hard it is to build that trust? If somebody confides in you, that should be, should be treasured more precious than gold. Because that, that's something that, that, that when, when somebody ha- takes that, um, the, the, the time and feels comfortable enough to share something with you, you should feel honored. You shouldn't feel like, I got dirt on them now. If you do, please don't ever, ever meet me in a dark place because it won't go well. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm not reformed in that area yet, right? I, I'm, I get angry when people abuse that. What we have to understand is if we want people to be vulnerable, we have to be able to receive it as well. That relational aspect, I think that it's important for the healthy church because our relationship with God is paramount. In the, 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 in the couple months, we're going to talk about some different stuff about um, different spheres of, of, of relationships and how we have different circles in, in, in which we are to operate in or we do operate in. But I think it's important to understand that a healthy church has a relationship with God that supersedes everything else. And here, it, it, it says back, I should say back here in First John, he says that this relationship with God is also reflected in relationship with others. This fellowship that he talks about, look what he says about it. But if we walk in the light, so if we're, if we're walking with our, if we're persevering, if we're doing our best, you, it, now here, remember, we've talked about that spudazo, that's one, that, I think that is my favorite Greek word, spudazo, do your best. So when we understand doing our best does not mean that you're perfect. It means what? 
You're doing your best. You have done everything with inside of your ability to accomplish what it is you're setting your mind to. So he, when we understand that, that walking in the light, we're doing, we're spudazo, we're, we're, we're doing our best. We might trip sometimes, but well, wait a second. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to understand that God has me, that the, the power of the Holy Spirit resides in me. I'm going to continue to do my best. When we understand that, it says here, and we're walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with who? One another. Look at that. A healthy church, the relational value here is if we are in fellowship with God, walking in His way, this is why it's so vitally important to, to understand what God says and to walk in His way. Because if we set out to make friendships with one another, we may accomplish that. But as soon as life happens or they, they make you upset, they're going to say, oh, I'm moving on to the next person. But if we understand that if we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with God, it says that a, a natural byproduct is I'm going to have fellowship with one another. So we're talking about a bond that can withstand the test of time. This is the relational value that, that we, we, we can look at in a healthy church is that I want to walk in the light because when I walk in the light, I'm not walking in it alone. And I think that that's where people are like, yeah, but the world, you know, my, my friend says this, and they're, they're, they're shunning me here, and they're doing this. And understand, whenever you walk in the light, you're never walking alone. You should ne the devil is going to um, uh, lie to you and try to deceive you and say, oh, you're all alone again. No, you're never alone because it says when you walk in the light, you have not only are you having fellowship with God, but you're having fellowship with one another. So when we, when we look at this, we can see, wow, having a healthy church does have this personal, practical value for me. And that's what I, I told you last week. I think that this is going to be one of the most practical series in which I, I've preached to you because you can see that the truth of God's word is going to manifest itself in your life. And if we're going to have a healthy church, it's because we're going to have healthy individuals inside of our church. We can't have a healthy church and, and unhealthy people. It just doesn't work that way. We're not an organization. We're an organism. So we need to understand, hey, well, okay, ask yourself, what, what do I need to do in these areas? Where, where, where can I be more real and, and think genuine in my faith, in my, for, you know, with myself, with my life? How can I, can I um, excel in the relational value? Some of you are like, well, I'm an introvert. I, okay. Doesn't mean that you have to be friends with every single individual in here. I'm not going to make Dan go around and hug everybody, right? No, but, the, but we can go outside of ourselves and with the power of the Spirit working through us and understand that there are other relationships that God has already, and I'm going to say this, predestined to happen. God has already chosen those relationships in which you're going to, to engage in so that He can be manifest. So his grace can be, can be seen. And, and I believe that, that, that as a church, I don't think that I'm the only one that, that, that really wants this. I don't think that I'm the only one that desires this. I think we all desire to, to be able to say, I'm living a life pleasing to God. And in the times in which I'm, I'm not, I've got somewhere I can find help. And I can train in godliness like we talked last week. Let us, let, us, let us just like rest in that. 
Let our place here of worship, this gathering, when we come together, be a place that we can um, effectively train in godliness so that we can live a life pleasing to God.